I'm your host, Hepburn, and you're listening to the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast, a true crime podcast dedicated to exposing the many misdeeds and abuses done to animals. And every week, I'll be covering a new animal abuse case. Welcome back to the second part of a three-part episode regarding the killings of the Woodlands cats. Before we begin, please make sure you've listened to Advocacy Tale, Save the Woodlands Cats, and Part 1 of Return to the Woodlands. We'll start Part 2 by picking up where we left off. I needed to know why everyone who could have made a real difference turned their backs on the cats. So, of course, I emailed them all. Danielle Vitali, the volunteer from R&M Rescue who backed up Martha on Facebook. Sandra Obi of the Animal Protection League of New Jersey. Marty Wheat, the co-founder of R&M Rescue, and two people not mentioned in part one, a NYU journalism student and a detective named Stuart Goldman, a private animal cruelty investigator and a former SPCA chief, hoping for an interview. I wanted to give them a fair chance to explain their side of the story, but if they didn't reply, I had no other choice than to use the information I already had on them. And that information doesn't cast them in a positive light. And here are their responses. Danielle Vitali, no reply. But as we learned in part one, she did acknowledge that the cats were endangered and dying. But then she bizarrely took a left turn. According to Martha, she suddenly said the cats could get out of the cross spaces, which was untrue. After all, Louise Ann, the SPCA lady that you heard talking about the cats earlier, being stuck in the cross spaces, had to put outlets for the cats to escape. And there are photos of the cross spaces covered up so that the cats wouldn't be able to escape. These photos are on the Voiceless Speak Forever and Save the Belleville Cats Facebook pages. I'll leave links below. Sandra Obi, no reply, but I was able to get tidbits on the extent to which she and in turn the Animal Protection League of New Jersey bailed the cats. This exchange happened in October of 2018 between Martha and Sandra. In the beginning, Sandra was very helpful. She told Martha to collect as much evidence as she could about the killings, a la taking notes of things said, who said them, on what date take photos, etc., to call the police, the mayor and council, call the media, the county prosecutor who is in charge of animal cruelty cases, and to collaborate with another rescuer to request that the Woodlands enact humane and effective management strategies in getting the cats out. Sandra even offered to give her equipment and resources to help Martha do TNR. Ultimately, Sandra said that they were unable to step in because the Woodlands was a hostile environment. Hostility caused by two managers, Teresa and Carmen, and the workers following their orders to kill the cats. This is understandable. She doesn't want her co-workers to be endangered. But here's the thing. She didn't tell Detective Goldman, who was working there at the time, about the killings. Apparently, if he had known, he would have acted faster to help save the cats. And so he was furious at Sandra for not telling him. Marty Wheat, no reply. 
though I do have evidence that she knew what was going on and the gravity of it. At first, she was on board with saving the cats. There are even emails between Martha and Marty, marked in February of 2019, showing this. You will now hear the email Martha sent Marty asking for help. Please help me save the cats that are left at Woodlands, Belleville, New Jersey, formerly known as Branch Brook Gardens. A new management company has taken over, Aeon Management, and maintenance was ordered to close cross spaces shut. Many cats have died trapped inside. I helped as many as I could. There are over 400 apartments here. Recently, a family of cats and kittens were trapped in a crawl space. Me and my husband reopened the crawl space. The manager keeps shutting them with the live kittens crying inside. I've been communicating with Sandra Obi from the Animal Protection League of New Jersey. She sent Aon Management information for TNR and Woodlands have rejected the proposal. She using to kill the cats instead. Some, I believe, were poisoned as well. Please help them. Due to copyright issues, I can't read Marty's response. But what I can do is tell you what I've been told and play for you a video of Marty where she willingly participated in with the knowledge this video would be posted onto YouTube for everyone to see, confirming the atrocities taking place at the Woodlands. Regarding her written response, this was what she said. Danielle had reported back to her about the killings, so she encouraged Martha and her husband to get more pics of the cats in order for there to be photographic evidence to support the case against Aeon and the Woodlands. Of particular interest were pictures of the boarded-up cross spaces and spaces that were reopened to show that the cats were, in fact, trapped inside. And there are photos of these boarded-up cross spaces of cats stuck inside that we mentioned earlier. Now here's a YouTube recording of her stating that the cats were indeed dying at the woodlands with interjections from her rescue partner, Robin Caputo. The apartments had changed hands, the management had changed hands. Uh, we were involved with trying to do the TNR and just start reducing the population of cats. They started the new management. Instead of working with us, they started closing up the, uh, the crawl spaces with the, the cats, cats and kittens inside. inside. So our director of TNR, Danielle Vital, got in touch with management told them, no, we're going to take care of this, we're fixing this. She went with one of the maintenance men and a cop, opened up the crawl space. Sure enough, live animals trapped inside. The minute she walked away, they put the covers back up. This went on time and again. And she was, she kept coming back and coming back. And it still hasn't accomplished anything. They still won't work with us. They finally got to the point where they evicted the person that had called us for help. And then we started hearing about the fact that all the animals that we had TNR in the past are now dead or missing. They're gone. They're simply gone. So we tried reaching out to the police. We tried reaching out to other people. And since we didn't have video evidence of them physically murdering the cats, we were told go away. We were told basically they nobody could do anything about it 
And even though we have dead animals and vets who have verified that the animals have been stomped on, the authorities have chosen not to pursue this. So we've been basically told to not, not do anything about this. So over the past two years, hundreds and hundreds of animals Even indoor outdoor pets, people's own pets that are indoor outdoor animals have been killed in their suite to get rid of every living creature on the property. So we finally got to the point where we decided that the only thing we, that was left to us was using our voice. And so here we are today, making a, making a noise, hoping to bring somebody's attention to this. Even if the Woodlands would work with us, we are the Belleville Rescue in charge of TNR. We have an ordinance allowing people to feed the colonies as long as Robin and I have organized a TNR project to get the colonies all TNR, which is the only way to reduce the population. Of we take all kittens. the kittens in and find them homes. Yeah, we're not just the TNR. Associated Humane and North has records of how many animals they have come and picked up that were dead here from people calling and saying, you know, there's a dead cat here, there's a dead cat there. We have people who are willing to talk about the animals that they picked up here that worked for Associated Humane or did work there as animal control officers. While Marty speaks passionately about having helped do TNR for the cats, I was told by Martha that no one was physically helping her. It was just her and her husband saving the cats alone. And to make matters worse, after she was filmed saying these things, Marty never showed up in support of or spoke to Martha again. The NYU journalism student. No reply. Something I was slightly surprised about. You would think that he, of all people, would be the one to expose the happenings at the Woodlands. After all, he was the one who took interest in it and interviewed people about the killings. And these people were the main players. Danielle, Louise-Anne, Detective Stewart, and residents of the Woodlands. And from his actions, it really seemed like he was going to write an article exposing the cat killings, but he didn't. And that was super disappointing because he actually had the skill set to expose them properly. And if he had come through and reported on the cat killings, this story might have reached the mainstream media and more could have been done to help the cats. But he didn't. And that's just that. Detective Stuart Goldman. Reply. But it's not what you would think. Detective Goldman, he was willing to help Martha save the cats, but ultimately removed himself from the case. He allegedly stopped helping after he spoke to Danielle about the case. I needed to know why, so I shot him an email. But his response for my request for an interview was unhelpful, to say the least. He wrote, call me. I can fill your podcast with cases nobody else has ever done. Well, that's true because nobody else really does these sort of podcasts and I was actually a little interested because shedding light on cases that few have heard was a very tantalizing offer. But before I could do that, before I can share cases nobody else has ever done, I had to first clear the air. So I replied with these following questions. 1. How did you become involved in the case? Two. Why did Aeon resort to such cruelty? 3. 
Why was Aeon allowed to seal cross spaces without checking for cats? Why were they allowed to place a do not feed ban in a TNR town with an ordinance? 4. Where are the cats? Why hasn't Aeon Management and Woodlands shown documents of relocation? 5. I was told that the Belleville police weren't willing to work with you. What would the incentive be for the police not to work with you? 6. From what I understand, there are no reports made by the police about the cat's abuse. Why are there no police reports over the dead cats other than the one Martha has? 7. Why didn't the detective in charge of the case write reports when he interviewed Isabella, a witness, who Martha videoed saying she saw guys in hazmat suits putting poison in cat food then in the cross spaces? 8. It seems that from my talks with Martha that you are no longer on the case. Why did you step away? I thought these were all fair questions to ask. These questions would have shed so much light on what was going on at the woodlands, and it would have cleared the air on what happened, what made him leave. But he never answered me back after that. Apparently, getting exposure was more important to him than helping to save the cats. So, obviously, I didn't have much luck getting info from the people who had the ability to make meaningful change. But that didn't mean that I had no luck gathering information at all. I was able to get more evidence that abuse was happening, and these testimonials came from reliable sources, the residents of the woodlands and people who have helped protect the cats. Here's one such person. This is a witness I interviewed, Katie who noted that once Aeon took charge of the apartment complex, that that was when she began seeing animal cruelty. I saw one poor mama cat dead by a set of stairs. They just left her there. It was horrifying, and then they started boarding up the little cross spaces, knowing full well that the cats used to go there. And then when Aeon took over, they banned us from having the little makeshift houses we used to keep under our steps for them. My sister, brother-in-law, and I used to get those giant plastic bins and fill them with blankets, pillows, and hay for them when it was cold and when the mamas had the kittens. One mama had four babies and lived under our steps. We would get them food and toys all the time, and we helped Martha catch a few of them. I rarely even see cats anymore, so they really killed almost all of them. It's horrible because we were taking care of them ourselves, and I don't know anyone who had an issue with them. The hatred done onto the cats was further evidenced by another resident, Isabella, who gave an eyewitness statement about people coming in to kill the cats. I saw a guy in a white suit completely, completely head to toe, and he had a box and he had a whole bowl of cat food, and it looked like it was like rat poisoning or something, and he's putting it in the cat food, bringing it underneath the houses to kill the cats. I told him, what are you doing? I'm going to call the cops. And he said, mind my own business. I, I couldn't really do anything. I called the cops. They said they're looking into it, and that's it. In an interview done by another person, Judith, who was trying to protect the cats, she said this of Isabella. She particularly mentioned her witnessing the closures of the vents at and around her unit complex. She was able to rescue a few of the cats, which she cared for in her apartment. Isabella did confirm that the apartment complex she was in smelled of dead, rotting animals. That is how she was able to rescue some cats, 
and recover skunks and raccoons, also fatal victims of the woodlands. So you can see here that had there not been dead animal smells, Isabella wouldn't have been able to rescue these animals. Judith, like Isabella, also saw firsthand the deaths of the cats. I met with Martha and her husband, and they gave me a tour of the Woodlands apartment complex. I witnessed seeing dead bodies of cats in a trash dump in one of the complex sections. Additionally, I also witnessed the various vent holes underneath the first floors permanently closed, where the cats and kittens normally would use as their nesting and sleeping quarters. By closing these vent holes with wooden boards and some with aluminum sectionals, they enclosed poison with the cats and kittens into areas which had no air ventilation, causing asphyxiation. This is one of the methods used to kill the cats. Other people who are also associated with the woodlands have witnessed the killings directly and have seen a strange change in behavior in the cats. One of the people I've spoken to, Laura, said this about what happened to the cats after Aeon management took over. There were many colonies of cats. When I lived there, I would often take walks very late at night, so I would see them all over the large complex. Many of the cats were air-tipped, meaning they had been trapped, neutered, and released back to the environment. I don't know how many cats lived there exactly, but I would guess in the high hundreds just based on what I saw on a daily basis. Towards the end of my time there, my partner and I noticed that the cat population seemed to be decreasing. I also saw a very sick cat and a few others acting very strangely and erratically. All of the photos and video evidence Martha collected has confirmed my suspicions. I've had cats as pets for my entire life, so I know quite a bit about them. When I was young, I lived in the country and we had a lot of feral cats around my family's property. When a cat is dying of natural causes or has an illness, he or she will not choose to die in such proximity to people. They travel as far as they can and hide when they are approaching death. Even sick or dying cats that live indoors will attempt to hide. Dead or sick cats found on apartment grounds of such a large and busy complex is most definitely not a normal occurrence. And obviously, cats don't just disappear into thin air. As mentioned, when I lived there, there were colonies of cats all over their complex. My conversations with several other residents who lived there years before me, I was told that there were always colonies of cats in the complex. There was never an issue with dead, sick, or disappearing cats at Branch Brook Gardens. It was only after Aeon took over. Laura confronted the Woodlands about this. I confronted management about my concerns for the cats after they released a notice to tenants that put the cats in a very negative light. They threatened to issue a fine to anyone who was caught feeding the cats and basically tried to make the cats look like dangerous, unwanted pests. I went in person to the office shortly after they sent out this notice to express my concern for how they had framed the cats and to ask them what they were planning to do about them. They were very short with me, brushed me off, and gave a very vague response about working with a rescue or shelter to relocate the cats. But Aeon's rude and dismissive actions hasn't deterred people from helping the cats. Two animal activists, Chloe and her friend, have continued helping the cats at the woodlands. 
We go to the woodlands and watch over the cats every day, as well as feed them and give them water. We also go to protest when we can. She continues by describing the horrific conditions at the woodlands and how the employees have been treating the cats and the state of the cat's health. The woodlands is the most disgusting place I've ever seen. Dumpsters are always filled to the top and are there for months. Ian is always on golf carts around the cross spaces and are always watching the cats. The cross spaces are dirty and have garbage in them. Altogether, we have seen 15 cats at the woodlands, five in one area, four in another. One day, we see a cat and the next day, it just disappears. A few months later, we started seeing only six cats. The six cats were very unhealthy. They were skinny, dirty, and had discharge coming from the ears, nose, and eyes. They were all fed like pigs, food underground and no water, and they were given no shelter. The most shocking thing we have seen was one night in the winter, we went to the woodlands to check on the cats and it was raining. We saw three cats huddled in a pile of leaves. They had nowhere to go, so they huddled together, close as they could, to keep each other warm. This was because there was absolutely no shelters for them to keep them warm. Another shocking incident was when one night, we went to go feed the cats when we heard meowing. At first, we didn't know where it was coming from, but we tried to stay quiet and see where it was exactly coming from. We started to walk toward the noise and it kept getting louder. Once we got to the noise, we saw a crossface shut with a padlock on it. We started to yank as hard as we could on the board. We then heard the cat scratching. It took a few minutes to get it open and then the latch fell off. We were able to pull the board away and the cat ran out. We lost sight of the cat at first because it was so scared. We started to put food down and about 10 minutes later, the cat reappeared and started to eat. We were glad we were able to save this cat from the crossface and to know that it was now safe. Many cats are still missing and have not been seen in months to years. It appears as though the woodlands are continuing to kill the cats, but they are now doing it in a more methodical way. Aeon and the woodlands are just putting up a front to silence criticism, to silence the fact that these killings are still going on. In the final part, part three of Return to the Woodlands, we'll discuss the reasons that might have prevented a true investigation from taking place. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to tell others about this podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, especially if you're using Apple. It really helps with visibility and ranking. And if you would like to tell a story or need me to tell one, just shoot me a message either on VSF's Instagram page, which you should check out at the period VSF period official, or you can email me at VSF period official period podcast at gmail.com. Until next Wednesday, toodles!